The Lollygaggers podcast believes that vacations are good, heat is bad, and there's not enough water in the world to rinse off Justin's summer stank. In this episode, Jeff plays a new app iteration of a board game favorite, Imperial Settlers Roll and Write. Justin, meanwhile, returns to the Old West to finish Red Dead Redemption 2, Redemptioner. Both lollygaggers then settle in for 1978's Battlestar Galactica. Welcome to episode number 95 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from comics, games, movies, TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? It's all right. So I got this, like, tablet, right? And, like, I got this tablet partially as, like, I wanted... I just basically wanted to read stuff. Like, I wanted to, to have something better to read comics on because, like, I'm tired of reading them on my phone and stuff. And uh, I've yet to read a comic on it, uh, but I've played a bunch of apps and games and stuff. So it's like, is that what happens when people get tablets? Because I've never really had a tablet before. I've usually just, have, like, regular, you know, phones you know- and stuff. I've I've had tablets. I always found that it's it's just a different version of a laptop, and I never really ever use it. Like they gave me a lap, they gave me a tablet for my job. I never use it. I just don't ever find, I guess, a proper use for a tablet. So the fact that you're getting lost in playing games instead of reading makes sense because, like, yeah, I just don't know what to. I, don't I, I use it for other things too. I mean, I'm using it a ton actually. Like, I'm using it for taking notes. I'm using it for reading PDFs, and I'm using it for drawing. It for so, stuff? Yeah. for what? For D and D stuff. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm I've I don't want to buy as many more any more books anymore. I'm tired of like collecting the books of RPGs, and I'm tired of collecting like board game like physical board games and stuff like that. Like, there's just just only so much room. So like I'm getting a lot of the PDFs instead. And so I read them. It's it's a much better reading experience to read a PDF on a tablet than it is to read it on like a, you know, a, a phone or on a desktop screen or something like that. So I'm getting a ton of use out of it and I can mark everything up. I got a friend at work who says that he uses his uh, his tablet to uh, like his, his actual, you know, his iPad, actual markup student work. I haven't done that yet. So I kind of need to do that. I read a lot of papers for my job. So I haven't tried that yet, but I might do that too. But I am using it a ton. Like I'm burning the hell through it. Like I, like I definitely, it's definitely. I've, I don't use this uh, my my uh, laptop anymore. Like I barely touched it. Uh, my wife uses my laptop more than I do. But uh, but yeah, like the uh, I've gotten use out of it. But it's it's just funny because like one of the things that I wanted to do with it is I wanted to have like a better readable experience for comics because I was getting into comics a lot more. And like I've had it now for about a month, and I just, I don't think I've read a single comment. I have like a whole list of stuff I want to read, so I have like this huge great list of things I want to read. I just haven't gotten around to it, but yeah. But I've been doing stuff with RPGs, so that's good. Um, I I do believe it is a way better way to read comics. It sucks because you know your local businesses struggle from comicsology and online comic book databases, and it sucks like that. Like your local comic book shop, especially now like how most of them probably aren't going to survive everything that's going on. But the alternative is to having an iPad with every comic you want on it is what I have, which is about, I'd say 400 pounds of comic book boxes that just take up space. And it just makes sense. Like it's nice to have a physical copy on you, but the convenience and the lack of, I guess, volume that it takes up it's just so much more beneficial and there's lots of different ways you can read it you can read it like panel by panel or like you know however you want so like it's just unfortunate 
that it's kind of killing mom and pops despite how how good it is of a, of a platform. Oh, I mean, I don't think it's killing it. Uh, like, I wouldn't be reading comics if it wasn't for it. Like, there's there's no way I would be getting into at my age. This like, I have I have too many books and I have too many uh, I have too many board games that I don't have space for like another thing. So like, they're literally getting money from me that they would never have gotten any other way. So like, I get what you're saying on the one hand, like the the idea of it, like because. I do. I know I've read plenty of times about like local board game, like you know, friendly looking game stores, stuff like that with like digital distribution and things of, uh, you know, from like Amazon's and other big house, you know, big warehouses, stuff like that. But I'm getting like a different product. So find a different way to like charge the product, right? Like some of these online, you know, some of these online comics, I don't know how much, like, you know, way more about the comic industry than I do, but like, I, I've played, I paid a lot of money for some comics, you know, like I'm paying like 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there for these comics and things like that on top of like a subscription. So like, is this just means that you're not, you're not actually charging what you should be charging for the online product? Because like, that's really what it is. Like if like the convenience of it is too great and just people only have so much space and yeah, I, I and it's just honestly like the more we can go digital with certain things, I just feel like it's honestly better. Like I don't want to have all this physical cotton, physical product over my house that eventually will will probably get thrown away by somebody or like donated and it just you know gets thrown into a landfill somewhere. Like I'd rather just you know turn it into sort of a digital platform, you know. But I don't know the pricing. I'm not a I'm not a businessman. I don't I don't give a crap about that kind of stuff. So like, uh, but when it comes down to it, like I wouldn't be reading comics if not for Comicsology. Like I I, I just wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think it does open up a, a wider range of audience. Because would you ever just walk into a comp, like a strictly comic book store like uh, on your own? Probably I barely. mean, no, I would go into you know if if it was a comics and in, in games store, yeah, because I've been into plenty of like like board game role playing game stores. But if it's just purely comics, uh, I've only done that a couple times, and I think a couple of those times were with you. So like it just doesn't. Yeah, I know one of them was definitely with me. <laughs> yeah, but so. like I think. Um, uh, the the subscription thing for me the way i see subscription is if i want to read something from 1995 and read the whole run of it that's what the subscription is for you know the you know that way i don't have to read or purchase 7 years of comics of captain america from 1995 to 2002 right that's what the subscription is for is for me mm-hmm. purchasing is for if i want to read up to date stuff or just like good compendiums of of current things but for me like i'm gonna pay at 7.99 if i want to read you know rob lightfield's first uh, deadpool run or if i want to read if i did if i if i never got old man logan and don't want to spend the 20 bucks for it i'll read old man logan. so that, that's what the subscription is for me i don't i'm not in subscriptions anymore because i don't really need to read that old stuff because i know a lot of it mm-hmm. for me i just kind of like buy per book that's kind of how i do it yeah i mean there's a ton of stuff on comiXology unlimited that like I have gotten into and I wouldn't, you know, I would never have picked up and read that comic if it wasn't on Comicsology Unlimited. Like I'm sitting here on Unlimited. I'm, you know, I've read comics over my lifetime, but not nearly that many. And, you know, I pick them up every so often and I definitely like certain graphic novels and stuff like that that come to my attention. Um, but like as just a pure comics reader, I've never really been that. And so when I first, we started doing the podcast, I was trying to get into more comics and 
one of the ways I did that was I just like looked at what was offered when I had my Comixology subscription and I looked at what's on Unlimited and I started reading some stuff and some stuff I liked and some stuff I didn't. And that's just kind of how it was. And the stuff that I did like, you know, I kept with. And once the Unlimited portion, like Invincible, for instance, like a, a, a good chunk of Invincible and Black, you know, Black Hammer and stuff like that, those things are unlimited to start, but eventually you still have to start paying. Man, I did. So it's like, if it wasn't for not just the platform, but then the opportunity to actually have some of that unlimited product, like that's part of my subscription, I would never have actually sent money in for Black Ham- for all the other Black Hammer and for all the other Invincible uh, uh, volumes and issues that like I I would never have read it. So like I. I don't know. I don't have any like inside information over the numbers and how things are breaking out, but I just know from like my own personal anecdotal experience that like this platform, this digital platform and this digital way of of engaging with the product is literally the only reason I'm engaged in it. Because there's just if if I had to fill up my house and my rooms with something else, uh like I I there's only so many hobbies a person can have and there's and there's only so much room a person has. And that I couldn't like tack on like another one. Yeah, you need just, a huge line of shelves for all your uh, graphic yeah. novels. I have way too many board games. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, speaking of board games and speaking of tablets, let me talk about something I've actually been playing. Uh, so uh, I did mention that, you know, I've, I've been playing a lot of games. So one of the things I've been trying to do is I've been trying to play board game apps a lot lately. Uh, so I don't know for whatever reason, because we probably because I've been doing so much uh, online streaming during the week, playing a bunch of different role playing games. Uh, my wife and I haven't really been playing a ton of board games lately. So despite all the extra time, despite both of us being at home for so, so long, like we just haven't really sat down and played a ton of board games. Uh, but I have been able to get a lot of apps in. So the Steam Summer Sale is going on right now, and there's a ton of board game apps up there, uh, some of which, you know, board game, you know, the sort of digital recreation of a board game. So I've talked about like Gloomhaven and stuff on here before. Um, but I've actually been playing something that's just purely app driven. So I don't think it's on Steam right now. It's on it's on the 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 you know Apple Store. It's on uh it's on Google Play. Uh it's a game that's based in a uh, a universe uh that my wife well, was like one of the original board games that really kind of got us into it. So it's just called Imperial Settlers uh Roll and Roll and Write. Uh it's by Portal Games Digital. It's based on the physical board game Imperial Settlers Roll and Write, which is part of a larger universe of Imperial Settlers games. Uh, Imperial Settlers was one of the, I guess, probably one of the first seven or eight board games, I would say, that my wife and I got uh, when we first started getting into uh, the tabletop game uh, pretty hard several years ago. Uh, And it's honestly one of my favorites. Uh, We don't really play it anymore uh, because we played it just so much. Uh, the, The physical board game that we originally started with was like a, like a deck construction game. And then you would do a lot of different like engine development. Uh, this game, Imperial Settlers Roll and Write, is is using the same theme. So the basic idea is that you are running a civilization, and your civilization is themed around something either historical or semi-historical. Uh, so there's like a Roman civilization, there's an Amazonian civilization, an Aztec civilization, Atlantean uh, civilization, barbarians, uh, Japanese. Uh, there might be more that I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, but those are like some of the civilizations you're playing and each one of them plays slightly differently. So one of the first things you do is you choose which civilization do you want to play. Now, the basic, the basic mechanics of the game are the same. So with roll and write, what you do is it's a 10 round game. So you have 10 rounds and at the start of every round, you roll die. 
And these uh, these dice, what they do is they come up with a, a couple different things. First, three of them will dictate how many resources or in which resources you have to play with that round. And one of the dice, uh, one of the die will actually show you how many workers that you have to play with that round. So how many actions you get. Uh, because over the course of the game, every round, you're using your resources, using your, your actions to advance your civilization. And so every civilization has a handful of buildings that you could build. That's something you can do on a, during a round. Uh, there's uh, various blueprints for these buildings that you could uh, develop that help you increase the effectiveness of those buildings. Uh, all of them also have this construction area that you can start clearing out space. Uh, and then you can potentially farm additional resources. Uh, so like, when you look at the app itself, there's like a kind of a tiered look at the game. So the, the top part of it uh, shows all of the different buildings that you can build. And it's really nice cartoonish like graphics. Uh, and each one of those buildings you can see has a list of the resources you would need to build it. So uh, common resources in the game are wood, uh, stone, food, gold, uh, and then there's obviously workers. Uh, gold is like a wild. It can be used for anything else. Uh, so it's really useful. Now, most buildings take uh, wood and stone of some kind, some combination of that. So when you roll the dice, you know how much you have to play with that round, and hopefully you have some that you can do. So you can go ahead and like there's these little squares next to each building. Uh, one of those squares will it'll have like the like a little construction image, and then the other squares will have the ingredients. And so uh, based on whatever it is you have, you start allocating your resources to those buildings. And every time you allocate a resource, you're also sending a worker to do it. So it's a very limited amount of stuff that you can do per round. So if you only have three to five workers or you only have like one or two pieces of wood, like you have to be very careful and selective about what you're doing. Now, the importance of building these buildings is that it will allow you then to maybe get additional resources over the course of the game. So maybe at the start of every round, you get an extra wood or it'll allow you to get victory points, uh, which is very useful, uh, or it'll have some other kind of randomization mechanic where or like a mitigation mechanic where it's like you can get an extra resource of one of the dice you rolled or something like that uh, and so those are some of the things that you can do with your workers and your resources now the other thing you can do is on the the second tier like when you're looking at the actual board there's this whole kind of grid there's this long grid that goes from left to right and there's four different uh horizontal rows each corresponding to one specific track so one of those ro rows has to do with stone. One of those, so it's just like constant like squares of stone, 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 stone. And one of those tracks has to do with wood. So it's just wood from left to right. One of those has to do with, it's called the granary. So it's just food from left to right. And one of them has to do with construction. So it's just construction left to right. Now you have these this, this grids there. And what you can do is you can alloc allocate resources to those places. So if you see one of those squares has a piece of stone on it, what you can do is you can take, this is another thing you can spend your resources on. So you roll, you get your couple of resources at the start of the round. And you see, oh, I have a stone. Cool. What do I want to do with it? Well, I don't really want to build anything this round. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send it to this construction area. And so that's going to clear out that square. And so no longer in that row do you see like the first square. And so you can kind of, you clean it up so that now what you can do is you can put a blueprint there. And so you like kind of almost like a Tetris-y element, you drag down this little a Tetris block uh, from the various buildings at the top of the screen into this little construction area. And so you're kind of getting these bonuses. And every time you pull down a blueprint for a building and and fill it into that, that long grid, you're improving the buildings that you've already built. So instead of getting just one wood, one wood per round, now you're getting two woods per round uh, and so stuff like that. 
And so in addition to opening up space to do that Tetris component of the game, uh, you're also just getting victory points whenever you unlock stuff. So you've got this big chart, you just go through and you start allocating your various resources. And every time you allocate a resource there, it also takes a worker because you're sending a worker to do it. So again, you have to make a hard choice. Do you do you send workers and resources to the top of the screen so that you can build buildings? Or do you send resources and workers to the middle part of the screen to that grid to clear up space that you can start playing that little Tetrisy game? Now, the the fourth row, in addition to like stone, wood, and food, is like this whole construction track. And that what it allows you to do is allows you to build bridges from the middle part of the screen to the bottom part of the screen, because the bottom part of the screen are where your farms are at. And so your farms have all these extra resources. Now, normally, the only way you really get resources is by rolling the dice at the very beginning of a round. So now, if you have access to a farm, now something else you can do with your workers is you can send them down to a farm to collect a resource. So even though you're expending a worker, you're still getting resources back. And the more spaces that you open and the more bridges that you build, the farms get better and better. So while the first farm might just be like a single a single food or a single stone or a single wood, the third or fourth farm you build might have like, okay, well, I can send a worker here and get three stones. So like the exchange rate is way, way better. Now, this all happens over the course of 10 rounds. So like every round you roll the dice, you see what resources you have to work with, you see how many workers you have to work with, and then you start making choices. Do I build buildings? Do I clear up construction space for me to start assigning blueprints and, and getting victory points and upgrading my buildings? Do I send do I do I have to send resources to get or do excuse me, do I have to send workers to get resources to help me build the very things that I want to build? And so all of this happens over the course of 10 rounds and in and you're getting victory points along the way. So you're getting victory points from cleaning up the construction space, you're getting victory points for assigning blueprints. Uh so some of the buildings also have like end game bonus scoring conditions and things like that, where it's like for every blueprint that you use, gain a couple victory points, right? And so then you add up all your points at the you know at, at the very end, which is being tracked for you, obviously. And then you have your score. And then a game takes about ten to twenty minutes. Like it really depends on how much you want to think. I'm a fast player, so like I, I'm constantly picking choices. Like I'm a speed chess kind of guy. I'm not like looking at the board for like three days. I'm like, let's go. So I'm playing this game and it can play it pretty fast. Now, what the the kind of the unlockable features, one of the things that you can do when you get higher scores is that you start getting these like empire points uh, or, or civilization points. I can't remember the specific term, but basically you use these as a currency to unlock additional factions to play. So at the very beginning of the game, you really only have like the basic settlement, like just some base settler stuff. And then if you play them a little bit, it doesn't take very long. If you play them a little bit, then you can now unlock like new stuff. And for each new civilization that you unlock, you get a new, slightly different playstyle. So some of them might be like barbarians, might be more about like just constantly just hacking wood down and doing stuff with wood. Or Romans mean, might be more about kind of like developing something uh, with your like with your stone and with your buildings. So like each one has like a slightly different playstyle and different buildings to start playing with. So every experience is a little bit different. Uh, so the game is is fantastic. <laughs> like I actually love this game. And it's a, it's the, I I think it's the best board game application I've ever played. And I've played a bunch at this point between, between uh, playing it from, from Google play store, playing it on steam, playing on various places like tabletopia or tabletop simulator. I played small world for a long time. Yeah. On tablet. I thought that was a really good application of a, of a 
tabletop style game. So yeah, Small World's a really good game. Um, this game, one of the things, one of the reasons I really like Imperial Settlers Roll and Write is that it's there's no you're not playing against an AI. It's totally a solitaire game, and it's not like solitaire versus some you know fake you know fake AI that might be cheating, right? That might be screwing around with algorithms to cheat or something like that. This is just you figuring it out it's like it's like getting a deck of cards and playing solitaire like there's no cheating involved like you're not working against an ai it's just the 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 way things go like you know what you have to do and it's just the constant trying to get better scores and better scores and better scores it is it is such a good application of it uh it's super easy to play now i will say that i don't think the tutorial is great um and i kind of got bored with it so i wanted to hurry past it uh the manual is fine uh, but honestly, it, it doesn't take very long to learn how to play this game. This game's pretty easy um, to pick up and learn, to get really good at, and start understanding how to maximize your engine and making your decisions. Like that is a little bit different. But like I've already seen just between the first couple of games I played, where I was just still trying to get my feet wet, and <clears throat> sorry, I'll write that down. I've already seen like the differences between when I first started playing and getting like lower scores and I'm already like doubling them, you know, just from playing it a little bit and kind of learning. And so now I'm kind of hitting a wall where it's getting trickier and trickier to try to learn how to maximize and sort of playing with some more unique strategies of which which buildings to build and which order to build them, what to sacrifice. There's also some randomization components. Obviously, there's the there's the rolling of the dice. That's always random. Uh, but then every every game, you also get to pick like a, a random bonus um, so like it, it limits how many different types of bonuses f- per game. And then you kind of choose each round, what you want. So at the start of a round, you might be like, okay, well, well, what do I want my bonus to be this round? Do I want it to be an extra worker? Do I want it to be like an extra coin? Do I want it to be an extra like trade resources opportunity? And so you have that kind of tactical decision-making. So that's, what's really cool about this game is that every round you roll your dice and then you have to think how, what can I do with this, this round? And then in addition to that kind of tactical thought, like the individual round, you have to think about like strategically for the overarching game, like how can I take what I just rolled this round and what bonuses I have this round and use that to meet my overarching goals for the entire game. So the graphics look fantastic. It's a, it's a beautiful looking game. It's really cartoony looking uh, graphics. Uh, it's the same sort of Imperial Settler style that you will see in its board games. Uh, and uh, it's split plays super smooth. And I haven't had, I've had like one or two tiny bugs, but nothing at all groundbreaking. Uh, I haven't had it crash or anything like that. So I can't speak to anything like that, but I just absolutely adore this game. I think that, 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 uh, that portal games digital has crushed this and they have done just a great time. And I will probably not listen to anything Justin has to say, uh, because I'm going to go play uh, the game while he's talking. So Imperial settlers roll and write, uh, yeah, go take, take a look at it. Google play, uh, app store. You can find it there. It's really, really fun. All right, Jeff. Well, you're playing video game board games. I am traversing the Wild West. So I bought Red Dead Redemption, I think, Christmas sale uh, this past Christmas, real cheap. And I kind of played like a chapter or two and kind of started with it. But my game kept crashing, so I got annoyed with it. It was just like a bad download. And so I stopped. So this past week, I decided... Let's get back to it. You know, it's been a while since I played it, and uh, I thought I'd get into it. So I played about forty hours of it. Um, so this Red is Dead the Redemption. this is the original, right? No, this is two. So Red okay. Dead Redemption two. 
It's uh, by Rockstar Games, same guys that do Grand Theft Auto. And it basically follows Arthur Morgan and his gang. It is a direct sequel from the first one. I never played the first one, but as far as I was able to gather, um, it is the same gang, the same posse of people. You still have you know your main characters involved. Um, it just is a direct line from the previous Red Dead Redemption. So this is like many Rockstar games that have come out recently, like Grand Theft Auto V that's coming out again for PS5, thank God, um, where it is an open world and there are story missions and there are side missions. And um, there's also random interactions, like if you were to walk down the street, someone might ask you to donate to the church or someone might... uh, be being kidnapped and you have to bring them back home on the road, stuff like that. Or someone's being attacked by a cougar and you got to help save them and stuff like that. It's a little random stuff. And the story basically follows... 45 year old women are attacking people in this game. Is that what's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's those types of cougars. It's not like mountain lions, right? Yeah, no, it's just like uh, a woman, a a fresh divorcee um, comes out and tries to attack you from the woods. God, I want that game. I really want that game now. (laughs) Speaking of cougars, uh, I was, and we're not going to get oh, weird God. with this. Okay. Uh, Gabe was watching me play. He's he's been enjoying watching me play because he he played the first one and wants to see the storyline. So one of the times he's asking me, he goes, "Has has a animal ever just jumped out of the woods and I fought you?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've had a cougar fight me." And so he's watching me, and out of nowhere, I come out of this uh, coal town. Out of nowhere, my horse bucks me off the back of her back of him. And a cougar just beats the hell out of me and I have to try and fend it off. And it scared the bejesus out of me. There's so much like realism to this game. It's, it's pretty nuts. So let's talk about a few things. So the first thing is you can buy a ton of guns and all the guns are like old Westy guns and kind of like customize them up. I have fun doing that. The best part about the game is all the outfits you can buy. You can buy a ridiculous amount of outfits in different colors, hats, coats, vests, all this different stuff. You can be as Westy as you want to be. You can go from old prospector look all the way to twirling mustache, tying someone up and putting them in front of a train look. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, So you can kind of look any which way. Some of my favorite looks was there was a, a very foppish look I had with a little bowler hat and overalls and a nice little vest. Um, so there's a lot of customization in the game. You can also buy an array of horses, um, any type of horse you want. So I have a fun little story about that. Uh, my first horse uh, is the horse to start off with. I ran it off a cliff and it died. And um, yeah, I had to so buy what, a new one. It's interesting that you ran you ran a horse off a cliff and it died. Did you do that to a car at some point in the past? Like, didn't you yeah, run? Uh, yeah, like, I may have a habit of this. Yeah, I think um, you, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, don't don't let Justin have anything that that transports you anywhere. He'll just run. It wasn't even snowy this time. It was just in like the <laughs> random uh, planes. Okay. Uh, the next thing was I had only five bucks, so I had to buy a piece of shit horse. So I bought a piece of shit horse for five bucks and named it Wobbly because Wobbly's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Five bucks seems like a lot of money though, from like way way back in the old ones. Well, okay, you're gonna see. Uh, the next horse I got was about 15 bucks, a big ass Clydesdale, big dumb idiot. I called it Reuben because you nice. can name your horses and stuff like that. Okay. And then I finally got some money because we robbed the bank because you can do literally everything you ever wanted to do in a Western game. You can do in this game. You can rob trains. You can rob banks. 
you can, if you really want to, like I said, tie people up and put them in front of train tracks and stuff. You can do whatever you want. Can you, uh, can you, can you defend the indigenous people from the constant onslaught? Of yes. The imperialistic yeah. There is, Western there is a, European? a, a, a long, uh, storyline where you are with Red Feather and his family and you are defending them against oil, uh, barons that are trying to run them out of their land. Mm. So yes. And that those are some of the best storylines. It's so good. Um, so I robbed a bank and I got like three thousand. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, and I got three thousand bucks. I went and just bought whatever I wanted to buy. And I was like, I want to buy a black horse because that's to me that's like the coolest type of horse. It's like a street black horse. So I found an Arabian horse, beautiful, pristine, and I named him Hefe. He's the most loyal and beautiful Arabian horse I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so uh-huh. Hefe, it, you were a thousand dollars. Nice. That's about right. So. You also have this honor thing at all times. If you're a dick, uh, you become less honorable. If you're nice, you become more honorable. Your decisions have ramifications later on in the game. It's not just like these little side missions. They're not just there to kind of like build the world. They have ramifications. Like there's one where I had to collect debts from a family. And I, I accidentally killed the father because he had... Um, I didn't kill him. I just, I put, I punched him in the face and then he, he just kind of, he, he had like tuberculosis and he just died from it. And so then the mother and the son moved to a coal mining area and she becomes a whore and he has to work in the coal mines. And like, there's this huge story with that where I feel responsible for all that. It's just really cool. Like little side things that have implications as you go on. Um, my, what I've done is I've gone full honorable. I'm a really nice guy. When I'm done playing the game, my plan is to, you know, cause you always get like extra time. My plan is to just be as much of a dickhead as possible and just see what I can do and get away with when I'm done with the storyline. Um, let's see here. Uh, there's like 150 main storyline quests and it's pretty crazy. And there's an equal amount of side storyline quests and they range from, you are helping a woman find her sideshow characters, which is a really fun one I did recently where there's this guy, he's a, he's a little person and he's, he works for the, the circus and he just keeps on disappearing and throwing smoke bombs. It's so fun and so cool. Um, there's another one where a guy asks you to go to his house and help him get his things because the, the government kind of shut it down and it's kind of depressing, but then you find out that he was a slave trader and you're like, you're a piece of garbage and it's it's there's a lot of these little things that have like morality twists and stuff like that pretty cool there's also because it's rockstar there's tons of little like easter eggs one of the ones the first one was i went to a house in the middle of the woods and gabe had helped me find this one went to a house in the middle of the woods and at 12 o'clock in the house there's a bunch of dead skeletons in in their beds at 12 o'clock a flying saucer comes down on the house and just flies away so it's like this weird little easter egg um there is the the funnest one which i thought was weird was you go to a house and this is random like the only way it would it would would happen is if you just came across it uh there's a big fat guy and his sister and you go to their house and they ask you to have dinner with them and they feed you booze and then they kind of knock you out and they're gonna kill you and they take all your money and it's kind of like a you know, like a serial killer thing. And then I had to go back to the house and blow them away and get my money back. So it's kind of like a really cool little story that happened there too. And that's just an off by chance. There's also a side storyline of a serial killer 
which is really fun and cool. There's just a lot of stuff. There's so much in this game. And I think what's best about it is that like the NPCs and the areas don't seem like, you know, just AI. It really feels like a lived in space. As the story goes on, communities and villages get bigger and, and grow stories follow you it's just like really really great and then you really fall in love with the characters in the posse and with arthur and the villain is a very different type of villain usually it's like like i think red dead one it was the rival gang and it was just a dickhead just as a mean guy it's not in this one the villain is actually the leader your posse dutch um, because he's trying to help everybody. He's trying to make sure that they survive, but you slowly see over time he's losing his grip on himself and on what is right, and Arthur starts to see him slipping. And it's not your traditional, because he's he's your friend. He's, he doesn't do anything to, to spite you. He doesn't do anything bad, but his actions are leading to the downfall of you and the survival of your friends or just the the morality you were building over time. So that type of villain in a game like this, I think is a very much more nuanced thing than you would see in a regular Rockstar game. Like usually it's like, oh, it's the big drug dealer or the bad guy or whatever. But this is kind of like he's your friend and you want him to get better, but he's just losing his grip on what's right and what he should do. And it's it's a really, really cool, like, villain for this game. Um, you can find it on all platforms. It's even on Stadia, um, which is the Google direct uh, streaming thing you can do. I think right now it's like maybe 40 bucks. There's also two, two expansions. So there's a lot to it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm, pro- I'm on the last chapter. There's six chapters and two epilogues. I'm on chapter six, so I have to still go through the epilogue and stuff. But I can't really say more about this game. Um, it's probably one of the, you know, I put it in my top five right now. Like, God of War is top five. For me, World of Warcraft, obviously, because I've played it for 15 years, top five for me. This is, this is in that thing where it's like one of these games that just changes the way you kind of look at how games work and how you do certain things. And then there's a ton of stuff. You can play Texas Hold'em. You can play the the stabby hand thing you know they're all different little side games and it's just so much to this game it's it's so rich and full of stuff it's just it's pretty great um and then there's an online aspect which is pretty dead because no one wants to do it but like the just the single player aspect is just it's just incredible so red dead redemption 2 it's a two-year-old game but if you haven't played it yet you gotta play it's time to it's yeah it's October 26, 2018. If you haven't played it yet, you got to play it. It is just one of those games that, you know, kind of puts you in this world and envelops you and gets you really, really excited about what's going to happen next. So there's so many cinematic scenes, so many fun little things that happen. It's just, I, I thought it was fantastic. I've just been so hooked on it for the past week and a half. So, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. All right. Very cool. Uh, I have the original Red Red Redemption. Uh, I think I think the sequel is a prequel, right? Doesn't it? I think it, I think it actually takes place beforehand. Uh, um, it's right after what happens in Blackwater. So I don't I, know. I, I'm pretty sure it's a prequel. Uh, so 
okay but yeah it has like the same the same you know gang members and stuff like that so uh i never finished the first one though i do know how it ends uh but i i, I don't know i played it for like 20 30 hours something like that uh i always uh i always kind of like never do storylines in them i always end up just kind of like those types of open world games i always start running around and doing random stuff uh i still remember when you and i played what was that one game it wasn't uh it wasn't gta it was that other one that's like sort of like the joke saints G- row saints row when you <laughs> Man, like we just, we just, we were never going to accomplish anything in those games because all we do. That's is, the thing that sucks about yeah. those multi, the multiplayer version. Like you don't accomplish anything, especially when you have a car. You're just like, you know what? Let's see how many people I can run over, so many stars I can get, and if I can get away with it. Or I think we were just trying to let's hurt hit each, hurt each other. other. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, we were trying to hurt each let's other. Let's hit each other. Let's make each other do the most ridiculous stuff. To me, that's that's fun about the multiplayer. Yeah. Um. There is a multiplayer aspect to this where you can basically there's races and stuff or you can have like shootouts and stuff. And there is a lot of horse collision, which uh, is pretty fun. But uh, yeah, that was the problem with multiplayer when I would play with you. We were just like, all right, we made our characters. Here's the mission. You know what? I'm going to get in this truck. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Uh, Justin and I have been exploring older television. Uh, partly because we were running out of newer television that we feel like wa- felt like watching. Uh, and so we are going to take a look this time at the 1978 TV series. This is before both Justin and I have been born. Uh, Battlestar Galactica. Now, uh, Justin and I are both huge fans of the remake of Battlestar Galactica from the uh, from the aughts, uh, but uh, by Ronald, Ronald Moore and whatnot. Uh, but we're actually going to look back at this. Uh, Justin had never seen this before. I have. Uh, I've I've watched the whole series uh, a couple times. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna tackle it now. The basic premise of the show is if you if you're familiar with the more recent Battlestar Galactica, you got the gist. Uh, so humans they live in a bunch of different colonies, uh, and the they're these Cylons that are robotic a robotic species that were invented by uh, well in the, in this in this series by someone long ago. Uh, and uh, they decide that they want to uh, to commit genocide and like just completely overthrow humans. Uh, they don't do it with nukes necessarily. They just do it with like their their giant uh, base stars and stuff like that. And so during a peace assembly, so where uh, pretty much all of the major players of the colonies were gathered in space to have uh, with their fleets to have like a meeting with uh, the representatives of the Cylons while while the the defenses were pulled away from the the home worlds. Uh, the Cylons uh, attacked the the worlds and, and killed a bunch of folks. And uh, the Battlestar Galactica was the only remaining Battlestar. Uh, Adama uh, was the only uh, kind of the only leader uh, the uh, to 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 sort of survive. You got all your your usual characters, but you see them differently than you're you might be familiar uh, with if you've if you've only seen the more recent one. So you got your Apollo, you got your Starbuck. Uh, you got your Admiral Adama. You got your tall, your Saul Tai. Uh, you got Boomer. Uh, so all of these folks are still here. Uh, there's a couple uh, people in this show that didn't necessarily make it into the remake. So Athena, for instance, while Athena did eventually come around in the remake of Battlestar Galactica, when uh, when uh, Boomer, not actually Boomer, but uh, kind of came back and she uh, she made her way back into the good graces. Athena in the original is actually the daughter of Adama, uh, sister to uh, uh, to Apollo. Uh, so you get you get a couple other characters. You also get uh, uh, Boxy and the uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of the stupid doll, but I always hated that crap. But yeah, it's like a little kid 
because uh, Jane Seymour's character of Serena uh, is in this. Never really quite had a perfect pairing also for the for the remake as well. Uh, but she's like the love interest of Apollo, at least very early on. She recurs here and there, and then the, she dies. Uh, so that is uh, so that's Battlestar Galactica. That's a, so the basic premise is the same. Now, there's a lot of differences. Obviously, it's that we're talking 30 years uh, between the two. So there's definitely a difference in production value and stuff like that. Uh, they lean certainly into uh, the kind of more Roman, Greek, Egyptian style theming, because you can see the helmets, for instance, of like the fighter pilots are a little different. Everyone wears capes and, <laughs> and cloaks and stuff like that. Whereas the Battlestar Galactica of the aughts was far more uh, modernized the way, you know, 20 and 21st century uh, lots clothing. of tank tops, reverse tank tops. Lots like, of tank reverse tank tops. Backwards. Yeah, lots of reverse tank tops. Very, very weird. Very military heavy, uh, especially with its strategy and its tactics when it's when it's fighting. So, uh, but the story is basically the same. Now, uh, in addition to the opening, the opening episodes, uh, it's, it's kind of an it's kind of a, a quirky backstory to Battlestar Galactica seventy eight because it was it was originally made to to be like a series of of movies, uh, and it actually got some full theatrical releases and eventually Larson shifted uh, Glenn A. Larson. He shifted it and decided he wanted to do a weekly series series. And then it ended up having like this weird balance of like some really good, uh, some really good episodes with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of lore and a lot of continuity. And then others were like monsters of the week type of type of weeks, not actually monsters, but like, you know, problem of the week to solve, you know, I think they called it crash of the week in one article I was reading when I was prepping. Uh, So, so there's a little bit of that going on. Now, the second major episode that they explore is um, is as the as the fleet is now moving away from the solar system, they come across this uh, basically a casino planet uh, that also happens to have a bunch of trillium, so trillium or, or tallium, whatever they decided to call it in '78. Uh, that that's their that's their fuel. So it's the resource that ends up giving their fuel, and they want to get to it. And so after going through this minefield and Apollo and Starbuck and Boomer being these big heroes, uh, everyone starts having a good time at this casino planet who's unawares, apparently, of what happened. Uh, and it turns out that there is a alien species that is, uh, uh, the, I can't remember their names. I'll have to look it up in a minute while Justin's talking. Uh, I think the Orvid, the Orvoid, something like that. And they uh, they are basically harvesting, you know, the, the humans in some way. And they're aligned with the with you know, with this, the Cylons. And so it's everything they can do to escape. Uh, and that's probably as much as you watch. Did you watch anything else in that, Justin? I did first three episodes. Yeah. That's basically the so first I, I finished. So it's like yeah. the first two kind of lean together. And the third one kind of wraps up the arc. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you can kind of see the arcs of the movie, uh, but definitely there are rewrites and things have changed. So anyway, that's the basic principle. Uh, the there's, there's differences, but the story is relatively the same. They're looking for earth the lost 13th colony, et cetera, et cetera. Like all of that's kind of still the same. So Justin, what did you think? I know you are a diehard. I'm not sure if you like it better than I do, but you love Battlestar Galactica. What did you think of the 1978 version? So I think that if this was, if I was as of age, when this came out, I would have watched the shit out of it. Um, I thought it was great. Um, And if I was a kid, when this came out, it would have been the number one thing I watch all the time. I think the production was good, um, even though, you know, everyone has it, it's obviously dated because everyone has beautiful hair, just beautiful hair on every single actor, uh, male and female. 
um, long flowing locks. Um, I think it's great. I think everyone looks like they're in a hair commercial. It's wonderful. It's it's a it's a Pantene Pro V commercial the entire time. Um, and as a kid, I probably would have loved uh, the little uh, robot dog. Um, but like, and as an adult, I'm like, it's probably. I just look at it and say, whoever's in there is probably going through just absolute torture of you know having to be in a position at all times and having to do that whatever little person they hired to do that that poor person had to do it it just must suck um i think i I really liked watching like the parallels because the first episode has a lot of similarities plot wise to the miniseries that is the, the the modern show it is there was some time of armistice happening there was peace because in the show, the silence weren't showing up, but like it was a thing where it's like they didn't show up to the yearly uh, like meeting that they had, but they were celebrating uh, peace and then they're attacked by the silence. It is different, obviously, because silence aren't, you know, human formed. They're all in their centurion outfits. Um, and I guess they're a reptile race, which I wasn't aware of, which I thought was interesting when they mentioned in the show. But it, there's a lot of similarities. It's the last ship that survives. It's holding the rest of the human race on it. It's going about the world, the, the galaxies to try and gather different human races together so they can go kind of exile themselves and, and survive on Earth, which is 100% just the main plot point of, of what the modern Bowser Yeah, was. I do want to make one clarification. Like the Silence are robots. Like they're not they're not reptiles. They were created by a reptilian race. Yeah, the, okay. yeah, which is uh, something long like ago. Like whatever. Yeah. So the main idea is the same, which I thought was really cool. That means obviously the writers that made the modern story took a lot from the source material and honored the original uh, show as much as they could. But then, you know, obviously the changes, not as many Centurions, even like the models, the uh, Vipers look the same. The uh, uh, the silent ships kind of look the same. Yeah, the I battle. mean, all of the ships are pretty much like you can tell evolved from it. Like like they were like it was definitely a revision. No, none of them did like a full on revamp. Yeah. So like whether it's the battle stars, they look pretty close you know it's a little different they're darker grittier a little bit more detailed because obviously 30 years allows you to do a lot more but the fighters look pretty much identical they function slightly differently but they look identical the base stars themselves kind of have the same sort of weird like like eaten apple kind of look to them so it's like like two yeah. two big tops and like a a, a very a slim center everything's kind of the same so yeah i mean if you're if if you've if you're only familiarity with the Battlestar universe is the more recent uh, iteration of it. Like you're going to see a lot of things in there that definitely like, Oh yeah. So that's what they did or that's how that came out. So it's kind of cool that Justin, like you, you go into this back. Yeah. 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 Like for me, like I think I, I think I, I watched this a little bit when I was a kid. um, Cause it was on like, I don't know. I think somebody had like a VHS of it. And so we would, you know, I watched some of it. I don't remember watching a ton of it. So I was maybe 10 or so. And then I remember watching it around the time in which the remake was on sci-fi and on NBC and all that kind of stuff. And like they would do some sort of marathon of it. I picked up a marathon or two here or there and I was able to watch all of it then. So uh, I have watched it a little bit more recently and it is really cool. Like there's so many connections. Like it's like you can definitely see that 
the like 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 you were saying, they didn't just scrap stuff. You know, it wasn't like oh, okay, no, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. It was like it, it took the story and it kept a lot of the big pieces in place, a lot of the big players in place, and it just sort of tweaked them a little bit and it changed it. A lot of the relationships still kind of exist in one way or the other. Uh, like the close, like I mean, obviously one of the bigger ones that, that like a lot of a lot of you know jackasses had a problem with was like Starbuck, Starbuck Apollo, and like you know in, in the aughts. But like it's there's still kind of a close a close friendship there. The idea of like Boomer. Uh, it's like, it was sort of like a trio. It was like the three of them. It was, it was like Boomer, Starbuck, you know, Apollo. Like there's a lot of them kind of working together, like heroically as the fighters, you know, as, you know, Colonel, Captain and whatever the hell rank Starbuck is. So like, it's really cool to see the differences. And I don't think that Battlestar Galactica is a bad show. Like, like the 1978 one. Like, I don't think it's like, oh man, that was terrible. Like looking back, like it's totally still watchable. Like it's clearly dated in a couple respects, but it's totally still watchable. And I love the original Battlestar Galactica music. Like the 1978 oh, music great, is so I like get so it's so dated from but it's so it. Good. Oh my god, it's so good. Like I just love it. And like there are a few times throughout the more recent series in which they kind of messed around with that. Like you you heard the voice, you heard that sound coming up. I think it was like it had to do when somebody was doing like a documentary or something, and you can you can kind of hear uh hear the sound like on someone's like little like comm screen or something so like there's all sorts of wonderful little easter eggs like that that if you know we ever had the time we could i'm sure there's way more than you know than we noticed so uh but yeah it's it's fantastic um what i one really interesting thing is that there's different species there's different aliens in the 78 battlestar galactica and there aren't really it's just the Cylons yeah. and the humans right it, to me, it kind of it felt like a more modernized for the time Star Trek, you know, like star hopping, meeting different creatures in different situations. But I, I think it was more action packed and it felt more fun and better acted overall. I thought the bug people looked awesome, especially when they talked like their mouths opened. It was like really cool. Like I was pretty impressed by the costume design that they had with it. Like you, you don't get you, all you had in the modern version was just uh Cylon tin cans or humans. That was it. That's all you got. So it's cool seeing like a more spread out type of universe. Right. And like, there's the singers as well. Like they were like the, I, I want to say like, so the cool. Yukon. like it's really interesting. Like they have like the two, two different mouths that sing at different, at, at different, uh, different kind of pitches and they have like multiple eyes and stuff. So lots of cool things going on. Um, the the show itself didn't last very long so it only lasted for two years which blows my mind because yeah. like this came out a year before star wars and i you know obviously star wars has a lot of really high production quality to it, but this isn't that bad like it's i think it's really good production wise and, and it, it, it came show? out it came out a year after star wars by the way this but star came, wars was 79 this is 78 uh, new hope was 77 and there's actually oh. a lot of like legal stuff that went on between the production crews on battlestar galactica and on a new hope where like lucas and some of his people who were like suing them because they were using some of the some of like the production equipment like the um, industrial light and magic stuff they're using uh, something like that and then there was also a lot of like other case like about people suggesting like Battlestar Galactica and Larson were like stealing some of these ideas and things. I'm not super privy to everything that happened. I just saw it. I saw that that was an issue. Uh, but no, this came out, this came out in 77 and then Battlestar Galactica came out in 78. 
So one of the one of the things I was reading is that it started off great. Like its its ratings were great. It's just then they were challenged by like All in the Family and a couple other CBS shows that were super popular. And then they suddenly saw a, a kind of a decrease in their viewership and their ratings. And then they decided to move on from it. Also, part of that was because production w- was costly on a show like this. And so especially in 78, you know, 79. So the idea of like, OK, we don't we're not getting as many as many people watching. And this is really costly. Uh, and there's, it's not like there was other places it could go. Like we all remember like Battlestar Galactica had a move to begin with, you know? So like we, we watched it originally on like NBC universal stuff and then eventually shifted to its more permanent home in sci-fi. Yeah. It's crazy that both got basically canned after a season. Yeah. Right? Like and you the, just, the, and the they both started one. as like mini series movies. Like they, they both started with the same basic idea, but then evolved from it into, into like weekly series. So one of the things I thought was interesting is some of the cast members. So first off, you have a Treyu is box. Yeah, I know. I was going to tell you that. I was like, like, did you know that that's a that's a Treyu? That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ed Bigley Jr.'s in it. Yep. Uh, you have Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman plays uh, Jane Seymour Apollo's, is her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she plays Serena most of the time. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, how many like good actors they have in here? The guy who plays Lucifer was Doctor. Uh, What's the bad from the Lost in Space? The the evil guy from Lost in Space, the doctor, I forget his name. He is Lucifer, which is crazy, which I thought was nuts. And Lucifer's like this big robot thing, so weird looking. Um, but I thought like like overall watching it, I wasn't bored. I was really entertained. I thought the interactions between the characters were good. Um, the only thing I thought was a little bit weird was um kind of how quickly they got over the fact that Apollo's brother died pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I understand the entire planet blew up and they kind of also go towards like the minute they get to their next, uh, mission, you know, even though the human race has been eradicated pretty much and they're on the run for, from eradication themselves, they're all like, let's get laid and all this stuff. Like really quickly, they, they yeah. just kind of forget everything. And That's Starbuck was like, Hey, yeah, I want to sign these singers to a deal. It's like, what are you talking about? Where's money? Like, like ugh. the world is gone. Yeah, like, like, I don't let's, get it. let's focus here. That's the only thing I can say about it. But given the, the tone it is to me, this, this seems like it's meant for like, you know, family based show. Like it's meant, you know, when you, uh, it, I was reading also that it got, it, it got, like they, so, some of the changes between like they, they filmed the movies and they released the theatrical movies and they had to do some editing. They had to change some things. And one of the things I was reading is that Jane Seymour's character specifically, like, was was like got sick and died and stuff, and like it was just ruled too depressing. Like there are aspects of it that were just too depressing after like the near genocide of the human race and then like all these like you watch her kind of die. So they're like, no, 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 we're gonna have to change some of these things. So like. I do. I do wonder if one of the reasons they didn't belabor the death is because they they didn't want that. I mean, even if 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 we start looking back on our own television, right? If we start looking at the '80s and the '90s of television, it was a while before we started dealing with really hard hitting themes to the point. Yeah, there was a lot of heavy stuff. Movies did it. Television yeah. was way. I think was way lighter. And then eventually, like I think in the latter '90s and into the aughts, we started to explore television with deeper, more serious storylines in ways that weren't just fixed up at the end of the hour or at the end of the half an hour, like so much of television has, like it's at the end of the half, everything goes back to the same, you know, at the end of the hour, everything goes back to the same. And so I can see why it wouldn't have done that in 78. And definitely by the time Battlestar Galactic came around, that was not the case. Cause we, <laughs> we lingered on a lot of awful, you know, awful things. So 
Uh, yeah, Shug is pretty rough sometimes. Hmm? I also, wasn't there also a storyline in the show where there was like a like a subsection of people who very similar to what happened in this, where like there's a subsection of people who are like, you're not in charge, we're in charge, and we live by our own rules, and you're military and all stuff. Very similar to what kind of happened in like the second episode with that guy kind of like the decadent group of people, these rich people. I felt like there was something very similar to that in the in the modern version as well. I'm, um, I'm I don't remember, a, I mean, a perfect uh, translation, but like I definitely know that they definitely, like obviously one of the themes of Battlestar Galactica was the idea of military and civilian life, like who's ruling the the, the final, you know, the final frontier, the final pathway of, of, of the human race here. Do we and also guys as a dick. That's also a main storyline. Right. But like, that's the other interesting thing. The other, one of the other big changes is that in Battlestar Galactica, the more recent version, like we know that Gaius gave the defense codes, uh, to the, the silence, but he didn't know that he was doing so. Like he didn't necessarily know that they were the silence and stuff like that. He was just doing it because he was trying to impress Trisha Helfer. And we know that he is a traitor, but like kind of like a, you know, not necessarily I'm intentionally it's trying to murder grayer, the human race. Yeah. It's a great, it's definitely murkier. Morality. He's still a bad dude. I can't stand it, but like, he's still a bad dude. And the original Battlestar Galactica in 78, like, no, he was the, a guy was literally in, in league with the Cylons and wanted to murder and destroy all of the other colonies and planets and worlds except for his. And then the Cylons betrayed him. Uh, and then in the movie, he was supposed to die. Like he was beheaded. <laughs> that was it. It was done. But they decided to keep him for the show. And like he came back around and he was a recurring character, a constant foil, a constant enemy, etc. Because he gets he gets control of a Battlestar Galactic, uh, assume not of a Battlestar, of a base star. And he becomes like this recurring villain, uh, which is really freaking annoying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like like weird little quirky differences, but even still, like some of the quirky differences, like I actually kind of like in some ways some of the things that they did in the original. Also, the show quite diverse, except with I'd say not so much with female. Yeah, uh, I mean, in some respects, like I mean, it's '78, so I suppose it, like we should laud it for certain aspects, but at the same time, look at the the the, the leadership panel. It's just a bunch of old dudes, mostly white dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No surprise then but, that like like they nearly lead themselves and they get brought into a trap and they don't listen and they get destroyed yeah, yeah. And stuff. Yeah. But, but um, uh, is it Ty? Carl Ty, Ty. guy. Yeah, which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is, man, they just don't paint women in a really great. But it's also not sure. The, the sign of times of like you know yeah there's no like there's no female pilots there's nothing like that uh know. jane seymour's character serena eventually uh, becomes uh, a shuttle pilot um so she does become that uh athena's character is very much like and you know she's she's there but she's more of like a bridge officer so i think yeah they like it's definitely for the time, I, I I'm not I'm not a scholar, so I can't tell like for sure. But like it di- didn't seem as bad as it could have as some other things that we have seen just on this show in the 70s and 80s. We've seen far worse. Uh, but it could you know it obviously could be better. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. I always felt like Athena was just kind of like, oh my god, oh my god. Just that's basically her character. Yeah, her character, time. especially in the first the first two hours, was just there to be yeah. And the on again off again like romance with like. You know, with Dirk Benedict's character of Starbuck is is sort of a, a thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. And like, it's always interesting. Like, like you said, they all just lost like a ton of people and they all just lost their, you know, their brother or their son and stuff. And they don't, doesn't have that kind of lasting impact. She's still concerned about, you know, Starbuck seeing another woman and all kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, 
Uh, Battlestar Galactica, 1978. Justin, did you know that there is also a spinoff series to this? Have you have you heard about this? Uh, nine, Galactica, 1980. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it like I was reading up on it. Um, I couldn't tell if it was a series or a movie. It was it was a television series. Uh, it did not last uh very long. Ten episodes. Uh, I have watched them because they followed the original when I was doing whatever I was doing in the aughts. Uh, but it's uh. Basically, the idea is that they have discovered Earth. So it's present day Earth. So it's like 1980s Earth. So if you want to think about like Star Trek, what? Star Trek four. Yeah. So they have discovered Earth uh, and that's that's it. And they've realized that Earth is completely and unable and incapable of defending itself from like this massive Cylon fleet. So yeah, that's it. Uh, Adama's back. Uh, so the guy who played uh, Adama, Lauren Green, he's there. Um I think Boomer is there, but he gets he is promoted because they replaced Ty. Uh, a couple, a, a bunch of the other characters are back as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, and uh, so like it's it was weird. It it wasn't good. Like it, 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 don't watch it. It's not worth it. Like don't do it. It's bad. It may it, it's gonna make you feel bad. Uh, but it, it was, does make me want to rewatch the the modern one though. Hey man, it, a comet has been playing it like crazy comet is is that that channel that i have because i have youtube tv which screw them for their 15 dollar increase in price uh yesterday uh but uh but the comet has been playing a bunch of uh, a bunch of battlestar galactica and i have been digging it and i've been watching a ton and a ton and a ton of it so i gotta stop makes me sad uh but it also makes me super excited uh for sam ashmel's uh like his company is doing like the, the sort of new battlestar galactica sometime soon uh, whenever they're capable, but like, it's going to be a, it's, it's not going to be a remake. It's not going to be the same story. It's going to be something else. So I'm super excited to explore, uh, whatever they're going to do. Cause I wasn't a huge fan of Caprica too uh, too melodramatic. soap poppery for me. Like I wanted more, you're in space, be in space. Uh, so yeah, you want more drums that's or horns because the horns are all over that, uh, that, uh, opening theme song for, the 78 version. So uh, all right, let's go ahead and finish that up then. Uh, definitely recommend it. Go watch it. It's uh, it's not that long. it's like twenty something episodes, like twenty twenty one episodes. Especially if you haven't seen it and you like the regular battle star, it was really cool to see the how like it all works. It yeah, was really cool. It's really good. Like it's 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 really good. It's dated. Don't don't go in expecting it to be perfect. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely a fun watch. Uh, a lot of good stuff, especially uh, for seventy eight. So. Uh, we will we'll end it there. That's definitely high up, by the way, on our rewatch list. I, I, I've lost yeah. track of our ranking system, but that's definitely I, I would put it ne- near Briscoe. I would. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could definitely see that. Like it's it's I would say probably top three or four. Or definitely top three for me, like of the things that we've watched so far. It would be pretty high up on the list. Uh, all right. So if you like what we're doing and you want to, uh, uh, give us some ideas of other things that we could look at some other old television, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, uh, even the aughts, especially the early aughts, we're willing to take a look at, we're avoiding sitcoms and stuff. We're looking for more like drama, science fiction stuff is always great. So if you have any ideas, catch, uh, catch us on Twitter. I'm at lollygagger co Justin's at buys Justin. Uh, you can hit our website, thelollygaggers.com, where all of our content is up there, including a bunch of our actual plays of role-playing games that we do on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash thelollygaggers. Uh, so if you uh, would be so kind, come, subscribe, like, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, watch Justin and I every Thursday as we play some Spyhander on twitch.tv slash RPG. Uh, you can come find us at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Central. Uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, so Justin... 
my uh, my question for you is pretty simple. We just watched a, a, a show that had to do with fighter pilots and stuff like that uh, in this universe. Uh, I was I, I'm just curious. What what if you were a fighter pilot with Apollo with Starbuck all that kind of stuff? What would your call sign be? Well, it's all very like zodiac based, um, and also I would be part of pink team because they had different colored teams. Purple and orange. Purple yeah. yeah, I like orange. Pink team, uh, and I would be. Let's see here. I'm a Libra, so I'd have to be... Libra's one of the plants. I can't do that. It has to be some type of... Right. Greek type of thing. Uh, I'd be Hermes, because I'd have the fastest viper in the squadron. Hermes. But everyone... I would be bad, and everyone would make fun of me and just call me Herpes. 